Would you please find uh, your Bible, smartphone, whatever it is that you have, maybe that you could go to 2 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to be reading verses 14 through 19. 2 Kings, we're in chapter 19. We'd love for you to follow along. Some will be on our jumbotron, but uh, or you could, not every verse though, so you may want to have your Bibles open to be able to look and see some of those verses maybe that aren't up there as well. But we're glad that you're here today. It is... Uh, it is good to see you today. It is, uh, we, we have service tonight, and I want to give you an encouragement to come. Greater Peace Baptist Church. We have had joint worship services with them now for maybe a couple of decades or more. And, uh, and they, we're going to be there tonight at 6 o'clock, and you want to come and be a part of that. Uh, but one reason, because we've not done it in a while. We have been doing this, and then because of COVID, we stopped. They came here in May, and uh, Dr. Clifford Jones preached, and what a great job he did. We're going there now. I didn't, tell the, uh, I didn't tell the first service, so I thought maybe they would just be surprised, but since our uh, youth pastor told the first service later, I'm going to tell you, I'm preaching tonight, but you come anyway. It'll be okay. So uh, we'll have uh, both choirs singing. Our choir did a fantastic job this morning in the first service. They're going to be singing. They always do a great job with there. They always seem to kind of really put on a great... Uh, uh, praise to the Lord Jesus when they come and then greater peace some of you've been familiar with greater peace because you've gone with us before if not you want to come because they have a lot of rhythm and soul and you want to be there tonight to be able to experience that time and then we're going to have fellowship afterwards and just to make sure that students do you know what what it means when we say we're having church fellowship it means there's going to be free food tonight so that might be a good reason for you to come six o'clock we'll have a great time and uh, together uh, as well and uh we are continuing our series. We actually started last week looking at If My People, uh, finding from some passages in Second Kings and Chronicles, uh, discovering together through the stories of the Bible how we might be able to live the life that God intended. So we encourage you uh, to want to be a part. Good time to bring others. We're glad that you're here today. And what a great job our praise band did today. Thank you so much to our, to our folks. Thank you. so. And uh, what great song. It's almost as if you knew what I was going to be preaching today. The battle belongs to the Lord. We know that that's true. And today we're in 2 Kings chapter 19, 14 through 19. We're going to read. Keep your Bibles open. We'll be looking at some in chapters 18 and also 20 as we move along and kind of teach the passage today. This now is the word of God. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord and Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You've made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations of their lands, have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Verse 19 of 2 Kings 19 kind of serve as a key passage. So now, O Lord, save us. Save us, please, is kind of the indication there. It's a biblical understanding that uh, salvation is a past, present, and future reality. If you ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, 
sometime in the past, you can recognize, you can point to the past. You have, have asked Christ to forgive me of my sins, asked Jesus to come in, and he has come in and he has saved me in the past. And now I have been made a new creation because of what Jesus has done for me. Salvation is in the past, but it's also in the future because we look forward and we know to be absent from this body is to be present with Jesus. We know that he has saved us from hell so that we might be able to live forever with Jesus and with others in heaven. In fact, it's such a surety as you read it in the Bible, it is written as if it has already occurred because we know the hope of our salvation is an assured. It's also not only past, it's not only future, but we recognize it is present we are able to experience God's saving grace today and know that whatever we go through today that he continues to save us because we're now free from sin free from the guilt that we need to carry around we're free to be able to live for the Lord Jesus with purpose helps us with our problems we know that he's going to be there he's never going to forsake us and we know that we continue to live with Jesus and we can have victory over sin and temptations and Jesus helps us to overcome our problems and whatever we're going through today. Now, prayer and communication is a part of our salvation. For if you have asked Christ, you know that you've communicated with the Lord God. You know that you've asked in the past, and you've asked Christ to forgive you of your sin, and it is a, it is a prayer to whereby we're able to approach the throne of grace with confidence. We recognize that. We've done that in the past. We recognize we're able to give thanksgiving for what's going to happen in the future and praise God for that. And today we continue to communicate. It is part of our relationship. We know that uh, we have come and we have asked Christ to forgive us of our sins. It's not the end of anything, but we recognize that it is the beginning. The first time that you prayed that you called upon Jesus with a sincere heart to save you, your home in heaven was secure. Today as you pray, you may not use these exact two words from 2 Kings 19, 19. You may not say it, but actually what you are saying is save us. Save us, O oh Lord, from the guilt, from the temptations that we're facing now. Save us in the problems and the crisis that you may be facing today. Save us so that we might be able to be saved even from our selfishness and from our latest crisis. So you're saved to be used by God, according to verse 19. The last part of that verse that you may know, or that all the kingdoms of the earth may know, that you, O oh Lord, are God alone. Lord, save us. It is a life-saving, life-changing, life-altering prayer. Today, you're going to have the opportunity to be able to pray that kind of prayer. We read the prayer of Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 19. And Hezekiah isn't just any king. He is called the greatest king in all of Judah. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, you might want to look at chapter 18 and verse 5. And there it says about Hezekiah, He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. Now, well, that's high praise as the greatest king ever of Judah. But you might know, if you've been a part of our study here recently, as we're making our way through the Bible, not all kings were good. In fact, most were not. And Hezekiah stands head and shoulders above the rest of the kings of Judah. Now, Oftentimes, Hezekiah is compared to King David. You're thinking, well, is it King David? Wasn't he the greatest king? Well, he was, but I want you to look at this comparison of some of the things. Hezekiah was the greatest king of Judah, most godly king. David was the greatest, the most godly king of all of Israel. And of course, David reigned before the kingdom of Israel became divided into Israel and into Judah. 
Assyria was his giant. Assyria, the king of Assyria, great army, great nation that was about to invade. A battle was coming if the Lord did not step in. Goliath, of course, was David's giant as well as many other things. Uh, Hezekiah, one of the few kings besides David that defeated the Philistines. David defeated the Philistines. He restored worship in Jerusalem. David was one of the very few kings, tore down all the high places and high altars and all the, all, all the uh, idol worship so that there was only one place to worship, and that was in Jerusalem. And we know, of course, David was the one that brought worship to Jerusalem. He conquered it from the Jebusites, took Jerusalem, made it his palace, also brought in the Ark of the Covenant, tabernacle. And so we know that also Hezekiah says many times, we read it a moment ago, but oftentimes in these three chapters how much he trusted God. David, we know that he trusted God. God was with him, it says. Boy, there were very few kings that it said that God was with him, was always with him. David was one of those. The prophet Isaiah confronted Hezekiah for a sin, something that he did wrong. You might remember prophet Nathan confronted David for after his sin with Bathsheba. You might remember Nathan's famous words, you are the man. And then not so much a comparison, but more of a contrast. We have three chapters in 2 Kings about, uh, about Hezekiah. 66 chapters in the Bible that tell about the story of David. So a little bit more well, a contrast maybe than a comparison. But I want to give you this and maybe just maybe a little bonus about Hezekiah. I believe Hezekiah is the most fake, most used fake book of the Bible. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes preacher types like me will be in Bible study and they'll say, turn to 1 Hezekiah 3.16 and everybody will go to looking. And I'll say, so raise your hand when you get there. Hands will go up. And I'm thinking, what are they looking at? Because... In case you didn't know, there is no book of Hezekiah. But it sounds like there should be a book as well. But here we have Hezekiah and we have David. And there's something else they really had in common. And that were the prayers that they prayed to God that are in the scriptures. We know many prayers of David. Many of them became some of the Psalms. And then we have some prayers we're going to be looking at. Lots of lessons that we could learn about Hezekiah. But we're, we're going to particularly be looking at uh, one or two of his prayers. What makes for a great and godly king is the same thing that makes for a great and godly servant of the Lord Jesus, and that is an intimate relationship with the Lord as we grow to be more and more like Him. As a matter of information, we're going to be talking about disciplines and Christian life necessary for the life God intended in the next few weeks. But last week we talked about accepting God's grace, which is necessary for salvation and for living daily for Jesus as a growing disciple. We are all sinners that are saved by grace. And as we learn, we can only live for Him by grace. We cannot accomplish anything good on our own. We are all guilty without Him. But today we're able to walk by faith. And His grace sustains us. Next Sunday we talk about another discipline. But today it's a focus on prayer. And I've got an acrostic there for you. If you've got your notes on the way in, or they'll be on the screen here, just, just to kind of help us to walk through about this story of Hezekiah. Love all the stories in the Bible. Love this story about Hezekiah, and so that we might be able to make the appropriate application. So today, I want you to prepare to hear from God. First P that we have in our acrostic, prepare to hear from God. But not only today, but every day. If you want life-saving, life life-changing prayer, you'll prepare to hear from God. Now, something led to this particular prayer of King Hezekiah that showed his great trust in the Lord in spite of desperate times. 
Last week also we read about the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel by the Assyrians. God used the Assyrian king and army to bring judgment upon them after 200 years of worshiping other idols, of being disobedient. Uh, God brought judgment to them. Most all of the Israelites, they were defeated. If they were not destroyed, they were carried off into exile to Assyria, never to return. The Assyrians, they continued to come and they wanted power, they wanted land, continued to conquer other lands and other nations. Now, it were it not for what we see Russia doing to Ukraine today, this would be really foreign to us. We know this kind of thing goes on today, and certainly more so in ancient history. The king of Assyria set his sights now on Judah, and in particular the city of Jerusalem. Hezekiah knows his army does not compare with a huge Assyrian, strong, powerful Assyrian army that is taking over the land that is there. So the first thing he does is he decides he's going to see if he cannot pay tribute to the king to keep them from battle. And the seekful king of Assyria acquired a large, large amount of silver and a large amount of gold. The scripture says 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. Now, I don't know what that tells us, and it's hard to make comparison in modern day you know, uh, uh, coinage, but that's probably between 50 and $100 million, if not more. So much that, so that King Hezekiah gave to Assyria from his own treasury and from the temple in Jerusalem itself. In fact, if you look at chapter 18, verses 15 and 16, it says this, And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. And at that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord from the doorpost that Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Now, there had been other kings who had done some of these very same things as tribute to the enemy and sometimes from the temple. In case you're wondering, God was not pleased with taking the gold and silver from the temple. Now, we can make excuse, I guess, maybe for King Hezekiah. He did not want his people overrun, did not want them to capture Jerusalem. He was seeking to make peace in that way. But you know, we cannot ever mean to do well, but know what we know goes against what would please God or against His Holy Word. It's a prayer that I often pray for myself and for those who are close to me. Lord, help me to know the difference between right and wrong and help me to have the courage to choose what is best. King Hezekiah pays off the, or gives a tribute to Assyria, this large sum of gold and silver, but... The problem is, is when you try to appease the enemy or when you give in to sin, enough is never enough. And sin or this world will always come back for more. So the king of Assyria sends his supreme commander and sends his field commander and a large portion of his army and they come to Jerusalem. And the scene is that there they come, Jerusalem is shut up and they're standing at the gate and the field commander addresses Hezekiah and taunts Hezekiah outside the walls of Jerusalem. We find what he said in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 19 and following. Verse 19, it says, And Rabshakeh said to them, Say to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, On what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you've rebelled against me? Bold your trusting now in Egypt, that broken reed of a staff which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it 
such as Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Come now, make a wager with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you're able on your part to set riders on them. He comes and says, you say you have military strength, but these are just words. He says, you think Egypt's going to come to your aid? Egypt is worthless. Are you going to depend on your God? The same God who destroyed all the gods and all the idols in the land so that you only have just one God now. Then he says in verses 24 and 25, Now then, can you repulse a single captain among the least of my master's servants when you trust in Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Moreover, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. He said, I'm going to destroy this land. I'm going to destroy Jerusalem. I'll give you horses for your leaders and they can ride off into the sunset. The Lord, the Lord God told me to destroy Jerusalem, says the king of Assyria. In case you cannot tell the king of Assyria is lying, that you can tell that he's lying because his lips are moving, or maybe that of the servant. God did use the same king to attack Samaria and judgment to the people of the northern king of Israel. Maybe somehow he was aware that God had used him to bring judgment but God is not ready to bring down Jerusalem, at least not as of yet. Hezekiah's palace administrator, in fact, he says to the Syrian field commanders, he's yelling these taunts, he says, stop speaking in Hebrew, speak instead of Aramaic, because everybody on the wall can hear you. And the Syrian commander said, well, this isn't just for Hezekiah. It's for all of the people. He says, I want them to know what's going to happen if they do not surrender to me and they're going to starve to death. And he paints an unflattering picture of what that will look like in 18, verse 27. He says to those listening, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He can't deliver you from the army of the Assyrians. Do not trust in the Lord or let Hezekiah convince you God will deliver you. Do you know what faithfulness in battling temptation is really an answer to? It's an answer to who do you trust? Do you really trust in God? When Satan or this world or sometimes even our selfish desires calls us to not be faithful to the Lord, we're really saying that we're going to trust in something else rather than trust God's way, rather than trust in Him. They're really saying, who are we going to trust? When we sin or disobedient to an unfaithful God, we are really saying we'd rather have what this world has to offer, our own selfish deeds, than we want what God has to offer. I'm not trusting God's way is best. That is the true definition of sin. But hopefully today, and oh, I want you to stay with me today because I love this story, but hopefully you're imagining the scene here. All of Jerusalem is shut up, and the people of Jerusalem, many people of Judah, they're inside the city walls. And here we have the large army of the Assyrians and the commanders, and they're outside the walls. And they're saying, come on out and surrender to us. Let us take everything that you have. You have no chance. There is no hope. You're surrounded. You cannot win. For every person here, you've had this happen to you. You have felt surrounded. Maybe it's because of an addiction that you have. Maybe it's because of a crisis that you're going through. Maybe something that you're going through right now. Maybe it's a tragedy or a temptation that continues to attack a time and again, 
You're here today so that God can say through His Word, do not give up. So that you might be able to have some encouragement that you can depend on God. Through Jesus, the Lord has ultimately proven, and He continues to prove it over and over again, that He cares for you. You can trust Him. Now, the enemy has laid it on thick, and ever since back in the garden with Adam and Eve and the serpent, boy, the enemy's very deceptive. And if in the story the commander had not said enough to convince them of their plight and reasons to surrender, look what he says in chapter 18, verses 31 and 32. He says there, Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me and come out to me. Then each one of you will eat of his own vine and each one his own fig tree. And each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern until I come and take you away to land like your own land, land of grain and wine, the land of bread and vineyards, the land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. And do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you by saying, The Lord will deliver you, says the spider to the fly. I'm going to deport you to, plant, to, to another land, to exile you to another land, much like your own land, but it's even better. <laughs> Please, if you're not a follower of Jesus as of yet, but you've come to that crossroads to where you're determined, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, or I'm not going to follow Jesus, do not be deceived. Hell will be nothing like heaven. In fact, the greatest judgment that could come upon anyone would be the separation from God's presence, and that's a far cry from paradise with Jesus. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, perhaps in you're wanting maybe the best of both worlds in this life. Maybe you want to keep one foot in church, another foot in the world. Maybe to be able to, can you, can you do both? Can you try to please yourself and please your Lord at the same time? Don't be deceived. Living in a spiritual wilderness out of fellowship with God and His people is a terrible waste of a disciple's life. I want you to be prepared to listen, hear from God today and every day in prayer. Hezekiah is ready to listen to God. He realizes that his paying tribute to the Assyrian king was wrong. Puts on sackcloth and ashes and he goes into the temple. The sackcloths and ashes recognizes repentance or grieving. And he sends word to the prophet Isaiah that he wants to hear a word from the Lord. Sends his palace administrator so he might get a truly and understand what the Lord has to say. And we're going to hear that word from Isaiah. We're going to look closely at Hezekiah's prayer as a model prayer. But can I tell you, it will not matter if you and I are not ready to listen, if we're not ready to hear from God today. So I want you to be, prepare your heart even now. And we do that by remembering the mighty God we serve. It's a part of our, your prayer. Part of our prayer today, we want to remember the mighty God we serve. Hezekiah, the greatest king of Judah, sends words to the great prophet Wanting to hear a word from the Lord. Listen to what Isaiah says in 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 5-7. through 7. When the servants of the king Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your servant, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor, return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. Don't be afraid. King will return, be killed in his own land. Spoiler alert. That's exactly what happened. But not before there's a lot of drama takes place, so searching and trust testing. 
But it's not that like the Christian walk that when we come into Jesus, we're told, be not afraid. The Lord has given us the victory. But still, time and time again, we recognize the enemy continues to come around trying to get us to stumble. But it's in our prayer life and through our prayer life that we remember who God is. We remember what a mighty God we serve and the awesomeness and the praise and thanksgiving that we are to give. Hezekiah tried to pay tribute to the king of Assyria to keep him from attacking Jerusalem. But still the king had an army to come and taunt the Lord's king and the people of Jerusalem. And Isaiah said the Assyrian king heard a rumor, left Jerusalem for a time, but now he's back. And he sends a letter to Hezekiah. I want to show you that letter. It says, Dear Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you've heard what the king of Assyria kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them, the nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Reseph, the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where's the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharavim, the king of Hena, the king of Eva? Sincerely, Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Now, these names and places probably of other kings, you probably may not heard many of those before, but they're actually in a geographical order. In other words, they began far away, as he said, look at the kings that I have conquered. My fathers have conquered. We're getting closer and closer. We're getting close. Have you ever received a mean-spirited letter or text, email? How about probably... Uh, you have. I will say in my 40 years of ministry from church members, I have really only received man, just a handful. Maybe the Lord helps me to forget some of those. And Boy, I'm thankful for that. I'm not sure my heart could stand too many of those that come. And if somebody writes me a letter and it has not been signed, I will not even read it. I'll just tear it up right there and throw it away and I will not read it. So if you've sent me a letter and you've not signed it, I've not read your letter. Oh, boy, I hope it wasn't a letter that you wanted to show how you could give me a million dollars and didn't sign it anonymously or something like that. But we recognize here what, uh, that Hezekiah has received a mean-spirited letter. I'm thankful that though any unsigned or even mean-spirited threatening letters have been few and far between in a galaxy far, far away, King Hezekiah had received a mean-spirited threatening letter, and he goes to the temple in Jerusalem, and he lays out that letter before God probably a scroll, kind of like what we have pictured here. He lays out the scroll. Listen again to the first part of his prayer, 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. We read it a moment ago. He says, And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Before he lays out the problems before God, before he tells him the needs that he has, he takes time to be able to say this model prayer. He remembers the mighty God we serve. This is a model prayer that Hezekiah gives us, but there is the model prayer that Jesus gave us in the Sermon on the Mount. You remember how that began? When Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We need to go to God every day in prayer for no other reason than to remember who God is. He is the holy God. He is the awesome God. He's God all by himself. But he also learned through this to acknowledge your need for God. This helps us to acknowledge 
our need for God. Before we come to the family of God, we all needed to recognize that we had a need. We're sinners. We cannot make it to heaven on our own, nor can we live for Jesus or solve the problems in our life. Verse 16, 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 16. Again, we read it a moment ago. Hezekiah prayed, Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, that's the king of Assyria, which he has sent to mock the living God. I need God to see the problems that I have. I need him to hear me and hear about the problems that I'm facing. And God knows. Again, in the model prayer, Jesus prayed, Matthew 6, 11 and 12, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It reminds us that we must depend on God for our daily needs and for forgiveness of sin. Jesus also said in the Sermon on the Mount, Consider the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? Your prayer life saves and is life-saving when you yield to God in complete submission. When you yield to God in complete submission. This is a, this is a heart change. It's an attitude change whereby you want to spend time with the Lord. You want to spend time in prayer. You, you want to know how God's, what God's will, how He's going to answer your prayer. And then the regardless of how He answers, you want to be willing to follow Him. 2 Kings 19, 19, Hezekiah's prayer. This is our, kind of our key verse. So now, O Lord, our God, save us. Please from His hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Might remind us of the model prayer, what Jesus prayed, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Save us, Lord. Do your work today. Help us to experience your salvation's work in my life today so that all will know you, O Lord, our God alone. For your past prayer, for your past salvation and future salvation, there's only a one-time prayer needed. In other words, for you to be able to know that you have Christ in your heart and a home in heaven, there's a one-time prayer where you pray to receive Jesus Genuinely ask Him to be your Savior and Lord and ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins. And then you can know that you have Christ in your heart. If you're here today, and if you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you're here today, you've yet to put your faith in Him, then today maybe in this Old Testament story, this prayer be able to help you to know that you need to pray a prayer. Ask Christ to forgive you of your sins and to be your Savior and Lord so that you can know that you have a home in heaven. But understand, that's not the end of anything. Oh, it's just the beginning. It is just the beginning of being a part of the greatest work in the universe, making God and His kingdom known, yielding to God in complete submission. And the E that we have in the word prayer, it's what we've talked about before. Oh, it's exalting Jesus is your goal in your prayer life and in your everyday life. We just completed a study on Wednesday night, one of our Wednesday night studies called Pray Like This. For six weeks, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and one of the things that we discovered, or maybe ultimately what we discovered is, as goes your prayer life, so goes your spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus. As goes your walk with the Lord. And as soon as Hezekiah prayed this model prayer, Isaiah sent word. 2 Kings chapter 19, part of what he said is found in verses 32 through 34. Verse 32 says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord God concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into the city, or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, cast up a siege mound against it, 
By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into the city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And then the following verses, verses 35 and following, we found that that very night the angel of the Lord came in and struck down 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. The king went back to Nineveh, Nineveh being the capital of Assyria. It wasn't long before his sons and his servants killed the king. Why did God save Jerusalem? Was it because the people were good? Was it because Hezekiah was a good and godly king? We know that he was, though he was not perfect. But that wasn't the reason. We read it just a moment ago. Why did he save Jerusalem? It was for the sake of his own name and the promise to David. What's the promise to David? That a Messiah would be born from his line. And his name is Jesus. We remember in Philippians chapter 2, where it says, Therefore God hath highly exalted him and given him that name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're not, you're not praying some kind of prayer for relief from some kind of burden, are you? Well, you probably should. It's okay. Ask God to help. Are you grieving and hope that somehow God will help you with the pain and the hurt that you're going through? Sure. Jesus said, cast all your cares upon Him. He wants you to come to Him. He wants to give you encouragement. Are you mad at God? Do you have some kind, some questions that go seemingly unanswered? Can I tell you to tell God exactly how you feel? Trust me. He can handle it. He already knows. But you do need to tell Him every detail about your concern. You need to tell Him how you feel. And it is the beginning of having an absolute dependence on the living Lord Jesus. And then you can be ready to pray and mean these words, Lord, regardless of what happens, may your name be exalted and glorified through me. How about a physical ailment? Some kind of illness you or maybe a family member are going through? Hezekiah was ill in chapter 20. In fact, he was ill. And the Lord sent Isaiah to Hezekiah again. And it wasn't good news. He said, you're ill, your sickness is terminal. You'll be unto death. Get your house in order. Look, read Isaiah's, Hezekiah's prayer in chapter 20, verses 2 through 3. He said, then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. 2 Kings 20, verse 2. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, prayed to the Lord, saying... Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah was even off the palace grounds, the Lord sent word to Isaiah to send him back up to Hezekiah to tell him that the Lord's heard your prayer. The Lord's going to give you 15 more years. What this does teach us is that God cares and nothing is impossible with God. What it does not teach is that if you're good enough, if you pray enough, if you have enough faith, then God's always going to heal you or He's going to answer your prayer the way in which you want. You need to stay away from preachers and teachers who are telling you this unbiblical truth. When God heals or God does miracles and God's still in the miracle business, it is because God is good and not because we're good. And when God does not heal, does not answer your prayer the way in which you'd hope, He's still good 
and His name is to be glorified. Sometimes, oftentimes, it takes more faith not to be healed, for God not to answer the prayer in which, the way in which you want it, and still exalt the name of Jesus. But regardless, today, as a church, as individuals, may we be resolved to meet with God daily. Resolved to meet with God daily. In the good times and the tough times, even when you don't see temptation, on the horizon, ask God to lead you not into temptation so that you can see the Lord can save you daily so that you can continue to walk with Him and grow with Him and you can be a light to others as well. There's, uh, there's one other thing about Hezekiah that we need to talk about and that you may know. It's Hezekiah's tunnel. Do you know about this tunnel? It's mentioned in 2 Kings, also mentioned in 2 Chronicles. It is a tunnel that was built from the Gihon Spring outside the wall of Jerusalem to the Pool of Siloam inside the wall of Jerusalem so that in case during attack they would always have water, always have a water supply. That would Hezekiah built it or had it built. In fact, they discovered on the south side of this tunnel, they discovered an inscription that tells how it was done. There was a team that began on the south side, the team that began on the north side, and they began to dig this tunnel so there'd be a water supply that would be able to come in. And uh, they met in the middle. And it's a marvel of ancient engineering built in the 8th century B.C. Nearly 3,000 years ago it was built. Here's how it still looks today. Boy, it's a thin, narrow opening there, still got water in it. You know, you can walk through it. Now, if you do, you get your feet wet. Uh, you need to bobby up to your knees in some places, maybe even further. There'll be some places you can't stand up all the way. So not a lot of people want to do this because they don't want to get wet or maybe claustrophobic as they begin to come in. I've heard in the last few years that what they built, they've built another walkway that kind of mimics and walks along parallel to the, the, where the tunnel is and every now and then maybe you can peer in maybe that's the reason that you can come in but, but can I tell you this if you ever get opportunity to either go the dry way or to go the wet way I want to encourage you take your shoes off roll up your pants leg as much as possible and take the plunge you will not regret it and walk through this tunnel you know that sometimes in our prayer life we don't mind talking about prayer. We'll even look in from time to time to see maybe how it flows and those kinds of things. But, uh, but let me encourage you. When it comes to walking with Jesus and being able to walk the one who is the living water, who's the source of living water, and as we talk about prayer, can I encourage you every day, take your shoes off. Roll up your pants leg as much as possible. Take the plunge so that you might be able to experience all that the Lord would want you to experience, so that you might be able to have the source to help you with everyday living, and that you might be able to proclaim that there is only one God. And we know Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is the answer for the world today. Let's pray together. Gracious fathers, we come to you now. We thank you for this opportunity to be able to come to the throne of grace with confidence knowing that you're always there to help us in our time of need, and that you want to walk with us each and every day. And Father, we thank you that we can come to you. May today we come in grateful hearts. Because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and his resurrection makes it possible for all of us to go directly to the throne room. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. and We thank you that you've saved us in the past. We thank you that you've 
we know that our future is secure if we know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We thank you, Father, that we can call upon you to save us each and every day. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil. Help us to know, Father, that when we go through difficult times that you're there with us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. We pray, Father, today if there's one here today, people who are here, people who may be listening that have yet to have a real relationship with you. Prayer. May they pray that prayer, asking Christ to forgive, asking Jesus to come in with confidence, believing what God's Word says, that we, by grace through faith, that we can have a relationship. We pray, Father, now, as individuals and as a church, that we may continue and even more so be known as people of prayer. We lift up these prayers today in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Would you please stand? We're going to be singing our song of commitment. We want to encourage you today. You said that we can pray that prayer that we know that the Lord hears. Pray that prayer that we know is genuine and sincere. Even as we continue in worship today, we encourage you to do that very thing. Right where you are, making the commitments, making the relationship, the fellowship with the Lord Jesus even more sweeter. If you need to come, you're looking to join this church. Maybe you want to come giving your heart and life to Jesus. Come for baptism. Whatever it is, if you want to come and pray with one of us while we're here today, you come as the Lord leads. So we sing together.